This is Photo Biz X, episode number 339, and today we're talking blogging with a photography business owner who generates over 1,000 leads per year, and he puts that down to consistent blogging. I'm talking about James Broadbent, and that interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Looking forward to bringing you James's interview in just a minute. Before we get into that, I'm back here in Australia, in Terrigal, in my home base studio recording today, back from Bali, had a fantastic time there, ended up reading four complete books, which is a good indication of the kind of holiday that it was. I'm not going to go any further into the Bali holiday now, but when I came back, I was looking to do two separate things in regards to recommending other photographers, and it was very, very frustrating. So I wanted to share with you these two things that I struggled with to make sure you aren't making the same mistakes. The very first one was I was looking for a photographer from the premium members Facebook group to recommend to a client inquiry I had for a job that I just couldn't do. It was in in an area that I don't service. And I thought, okay, this would be great to recommend to one of the premium members who does live in that area. I got a name from the group for a photographer who would be perfectly suited to this job. And because it was a commercial job, I wanted to pass on a phone number to this client inquiry because they wanted to talk to the photographer to see if they were going to be a good fit. I went to the website of the photographer, no phone number anywhere. It was so frustrating. Yes, there was an email address. I looked on the about page, on the contact page, in the footer, up in the header. There, There was just no phone number anywhere. I went to their Facebook page, no phone number. It was very frustrating. So if you have a website, please, please include your phone number somewhere. You should also have exactly what kind of photography you provide and the area that you service. That will be good for your SEO. Plus, it helps the potential client know exactly right away if you are the right or potentially the right photographer for them, that you do the kind of photography that they're after and that you service the area that they live in and make it easy for them to contact you. And one of the things I hear is clients don't like to talk on the phone anymore. That's totally fine. But we should always give them the option to call us. We should be available to our clients. If they want to use the phone, leave a voicemail message or potentially get you on the phone, fantastic. That's great. Let's give them that option. If they want to use email, let's give them that option. If they want to use your contact form, give them that option. If they want to send you a PM via Facebook or Instagram, to me, that's totally fine too. Yes, it gets a bit awkward to manage all those different forms of communication, those different avenues of communication. And there's nothing wrong with you bringing everything back to email or back to back to the phone if that's the way you want to operate or via Facebook Messenger, if that's what you prefer. But give your client the choice to do what they want to do to get in touch with you. And the second, the second instance was something along the same lines. I wanted to recommend a local photographer to a marriage celebrant. I'd seen this photographer's work. I loved his work. I had been introduced to him once before, but I could not remember his first name, which sounds crazy, I know, but I did remember his business name. So I Googled him, went to his website. Do you think I could find his first name anywhere on the website? (laughs) It didn't exist. It wasn't on his about page. It, It was absolutely nowhere. I went to his Facebook page. It wasn't there either. I ended up having to go to his Instagram account and find where he posted photos of previous clients and they'd use his name to thank him, <laughs> which was like way too much time and effort to send him a referral. It should have been a lot easier than that. Again, make sure you have your name on your about page. Make it easy for people to relate to you, to get to know you. I mean, we've talked so much about branding and about pages in the past on different episodes with people like Anna Puma, Kristen Kaup, Nadia Melli, and so many others. Make it easy for your clients to connect with you, to get to know you and feel like they could be friends with you, that you're the the ideal, the perfect photographer for them. 
And one of the easiest ways to do that is to include your name and also the names of your staff. If you do have any staff, maybe you have a a partner, a spouse, a wife or a husband working in the business, talk about them, use their name. If you have a dog or a cat, use their name too. This could even go back to the discussion we had a few episodes ago with Annie Payne, who was horrified at the thought that some photographers were referring to their staff as the girls. Use people's names. It's nice. It helps any outsider connect with you and your brand and also with your staff because that's that's ultimately what we want. We want those connections. That's what branding is all about. (laughs) All right. That's enough of a rant. Include those details. Please, please, please include those details on your website if you don't already have them there. Go and check. Pause the podcast. Go and check on your website if you have a phone number and your name and, and anyone related to your business have their names in there as well if it's appropriate. And now, a macro look at the last episode. In last week's episode, I had returning guest Joey Wright, who is the swimwear and lifestyle photographer based in Florida in the US. By all accounts, he has created a fantastic lifestyle business for himself. He's curated a fantastic portfolio on Instagram, which is seeing him bring in more and more commercial clients as well as branding type jobs for swimwear companies. He even has a sponsor now paying him to show their smoking products alongside some of his Instagram posts. Definitely get back and have a listen to that interview with Joey if you're interested in learning about curating a fantastic Instagram feed that's going to actually bring you clients and how sticking to your vision for your photography can pay off in the long run if you stick to your guns and you stay passionate and committed to the style of photography that you love to shoot. Photo Biz Exposed. Interviews with photographers to help you build a better photography business. Alrighty, we're going to jump into this interview with James Broadbent in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does usually mean that you'll only be hearing half the interview with today's guest. But that's not the case for today because you will be hearing the full interview today with James. In addition to hearing the full interview with James, you'll also have access to a 20% discount off the narrative blogging platform if you use the promo code PHOTOBIZX. So you can save 20%. But I will let you know, premium members will be saving more than 20% with their promo code for narrative if they decide to go on and use the platform for their blogging after listening to what James has to say about how blogging has had such a huge impact on the success of his business. So as always, there is something extra in every single episode for premium members. If you want to check that out, head over to photobizx.com forward slash try. And for $1, you can get a 30-day trial membership. You can access the extra discount code from James today for the narrative platform. Plus you get access to the full back catalog. You get access to all the rebates and specials and discounts that premium members get. You'll get an invite to the members Facebook group, one of the friendliest, most supportive groups you will find for photographers in the world. And I'll also help you get started in your very own mastermind group. All that for a $1 trial membership. Head over to photobizx.com forward slash try to check that out. Welcome to another great time for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I'd been hearing about the blogging platform narrative inside the members Facebook group and other online groups. So I had a bit of a poke around and I never really understood why anyone would want to use an external blogging platform. I went to the site, I could see a bunch of bigger names in the industry were using the service, which does make it look attractive. Photographers like Jonas Peterson, Sam Hurd, India Earl and others. And after a little more digging, not a lot, I learnt that the guy behind narrative is James Broadbent. Some more Googling, and I found that he and his business partner, Cameron Thorpe, are two fantastic photographers with the wedding photography business in New Zealand, Chase Wild. These guys shoot in some incredible locations. They have gorgeous work, as well as run workshops and sell presets. So why start a blogging platform when everything already looks crazy good in life? I'm looking forward to finding out more, and I'm wrapped to have James with us now. James, welcome. Thank you. Great to chat with you, Andrew. <laughs> Mate, is life as good as it looks on your website, Chase Wild? It looks like you guys live in an incredible <laughs> place and shoot in some great locations. 
Yeah, I mean, um, Cam and I, throughout the peak of our career, we're traveling for about five to six months of the year, shoot photographing weddings. I think I've photographed weddings in about 16 different countries now. And yeah, I mean, it always looks glamorous from the outside, right? What you see on the Instagram is us standing on top of mountains and working with couples in, in beautiful places. But yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot that goes on in between that. But yeah, it's yeah, it's an amazing. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do a lot of traveling. You talked about the peak of your career. I mean, you're too young to be on the slide. I mean, are you guys still shooting actively? (laughs) Yes. So obviously, as you suggested in the intro, I own another company now called Narrative and we build a blogging tool for photographers. I still photograph weddings, but this is really my nine to five now, which means that I've kind of gone from being a full-time wedding photographer to being a part-time wedding photographer and a full-time CEO. So it's been... uh, that's been a bit of a, quite a big change for me. Cameron still runs Chase Wild and obviously works full time on that. So I'm shooting about five to 10 ish, but closer to the five number of weddings each year. And I managed to manage that because we also have a full time editor and an office person who helps with all those in between jobs as well. Nice. So are you limiting yourself to bookings only within New Zealand now? I was looking at the bookings that I have for this upcoming summer because I had someone on my team who was like, I want to come along and like shoot a wedding with you. And I realized there was only one in Auckland. And I was like, there's one date that you can come along. So I have uh, generally the bookings that I'm trying to take are ones which are kind of interesting. So next month I'm shooting the Captain of the All Blacks wedding. And I have a few weddings that, you know, are overseas um, and interesting places. Uh, Yeah. And they're always, I think, fun to shoot. Fantastic. So what about you know, at your peak before you started narrative, how many weddings were you shooting or between the two of you? I think I was doing between 20 and 30. Like once upon a time I did 45 and that was like my introduction to wedding photography is maybe a little bit different to others and what they've experienced. But in my first year of wedding photography, I shot 45 weddings. And it was kind of like a baptism by fire. And I pretty quickly worked out that that is not sustainable. I'm not sure if I saw my friends very much that year. And so ever since then, I was sort of trying to pull it down and down and down and reduce the number we were shooting. And so I think Cam does a similar number between 20 and 30 as well. Yeah, right. How did you go from zero to 45? Or was it a bit slower than that? So I guess I shot my first wedding January 2003. 13, I believe it was. And I had just returned from like a big trip overseas. I'd been traveling overseas for about six months. Um, did a, ran a photo blog while I was traveling that led into my first booking that January. And I had just returned, you know, I was like backpacking off $10 a day and I didn't have a job when I got home. And I was like, oh, well, this wedding photography thing is pretty awesome. Like someone paid me, I think I charged $2,000 for my first wedding. And I was like, that was, that was great. And the day I shot my first wedding was actually the day I became a full-time wedding photographer because I didn't have another job. And so within a month, I think I had about three or four more bookings and they were all very like for that summer. And then June that year, I shot a wedding, which got ended up getting published in a magazine here. And that drove a lot of inquiries for me. So from that June to the following June, that was the 45 weddings within one period. And, Yeah. When we speak at our workshops, I do sort of like, I have a little bit of, what's the word? I don't know, pain for people who are starting their businesses now, because it is more difficult than it was back then. There's a lot more people trying to get into the game now. Facebook was amazing during that first year. I was just running Facebook ads and they were incredibly effective. And then, you know, Facebook has kind of tanked as a way to generate leads. And then from there, I found out other ways that generated a large amount of leads as well. So Chase Wild now on average gets more than a thousand leads via the website each year. And I guess through that, we've been able to yeah, sustain our bookings and get a decent amount of international work and yeah, find clients that we really enjoy working with. Wow. So you just said there, you sort of went straight past it. We, you know, we found another way to generate the leads when Facebook tanked. What are you doing to get these leads? Yeah, so our blog and 
SEO nowadays is what generates a large portion of our leads. I think when I saw that movement of like I relied heavily on Facebook at the beginning and I think probably 90% of my leads were coming from Facebook and I was like, no, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden, sudden Facebook turned around and decided, you know, actually people don't want to see business posts. I mean, at that time, I probably had like a thousand followers on Facebook and my posts were being seen by sometimes 10,000 people. Now it's the complete opposite, right? You're lucky if a tenth of the people who follow your Facebook page actually see your content. And so I was like, obviously, Instagram was on the uptake at that time. And we started to invest heavily in Instagram. But I I think I sort of realized, you know, it's not a wise business decision to have one of the most important parts of your business, your leads, fully invested in this external company, which at the turn of a few switches can kind of change that for you, I guess. And so that's when we realized, okay, like we need to own our lead generation a little bit more. And that meant investing in SEO and our blog and spending time to uh, ensure that they were really quality and generating a large amount of leads. Unreal. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But you said that when you started your business, you know, you got paid $2,000. And, you know, that was like, wow. What does it cost now these days to book Chase Wild to photograph a wedding? I'd say on average... Most of our couples are spending at about 7000 That's New Zealand, NZD. But it definitely ranges depending on what package you go for and, yeah, where you're getting married and stuff like that. We do adapt our pricing based on the inquiries that come through. And so, yeah, there's a lot of factors which will affect, I guess, how much you pay. Sure. So if I play around with the numbers a little bit here, if you guys are booking the kind of weddings that you're talking about, you guys have a multi-six-figure business. Like things are good with the photography. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Like, does that make you smile? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it generates enough money to live in Auckland. I guess you might say Auckland's like a very expensive city to live in. (laughs) And you mentioned there too, the NZD, New Zealand dollar. There's not a lot of difference. Is there a lot of difference between the New Zealand and the Aussie dollar? I don't think it's a huge amount. I think we're pretty close. I think it's pretty close. Yeah, which is a bit... (laughs) You might get 90 Australian cents for your NZ dollar or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, right. Okay. You guys have a great business. And then on top of that, you've got your workshops and your presets. And I can see, you know, why you guys would sell those out and why people would be buying your presets. And your work is amazing. Why even think about starting narrative? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the joke that I tell my friends is that I kind of thought about you know, what it would look like to be a 45-year-old wedding photographer. And I say that as a joke because there are a lot of really successful 45-year-old wedding photographers. But Lucky you added that in because I'm 48. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the things which made our brand really successful was that we very much, we work really closely with our couples to connect with them and help them feel comfortable with us. And we're very high energy when we're shooting. And if you look at our portfolio you see a lot of you know smiley people who look like they're having the best day of their life and obviously they are but you know you can really draw that out with them with the connection that you build with them and I think I just realized I don't know if I can sustain that as I get older and and I've always been an ambitious person who's you know trying new things I think I started my first business when I was 11 years old and so I've always been looking for problems and solutions and I'm just like I think my partner gets sick of it. Like we'll be out and I'll be, you know, at a restaurant. And I'm like, man, they could easily fix that problem if they just did X, Y, Z. And so, yeah, I'm drawn to, yeah, to problems and finding solutions for them. And blogging was like one of my biggest pain points as a photographer. I would spend literally a whole day, sometimes more building a blog post because I would put so much intention into it and, using Squarespace, WordPress, whatever you're on, absolutely sucks. And I think that's kind of like the answer to the question which you asked at the beginning, which is why would you use an external service when there's already, you know, a blogging tool within whatever your website service that you already have. And Narrative, I mean, I can talk about them now, but Narrative has a handful of benefits and problems that we wanted to solve. But some of the simple ones are, I mean, 
when I was traveling a lot, I hated building blog posts in, in the web app because it was painfully slow and I had to wait for every single image to upload. I couldn't build a blog post on the plane and I couldn't build a blog post when I was at a hotel. So the first thing was, okay, we want people to be able to build them offline. And the next thing was, okay, we, you know, obviously your blog post is, it's not just like a stack of images. You're, if you're a wedding photographer, which most of our users are, then really your blog post is a narrative. It's a story. It's a succession of images which unfold something. And so just having images stacked didn't really make sense. And so then, you know, you end up stitching images together in Photoshop or some other service which allows you to stitch two or three or four photos into one and then upload it. And then you end up with this long, tedious process and you get two images next to each other and then you realize that the white balance is different you've already uploaded it. So you have to go back to Lightroom, re-edit the image, re-stitch it together, re-upload it. And then you've just lost like 15 minutes because you wanted to change one photo. So that was the next thing we were like, look, if you re-edit the image in Lightroom, I want it to instantly change in the app so that you don't have to go through that tedious process. And then images that are side by side, well, they're no longer stitched images because I wanted the app to build the HTML for the blog post so that individual images were actually you know, side-by-side images, sorry, were actually individual images. And so when people are searching in Google image search, those side-by-side images actually show as separate images with individual keywords. And if you want to pin them onto Pinterest, then they're separate images. So they were kind of like the three starting points of why I wanted to build this. And there's so many other things which will I can talk about later as to how I would imagine that we could improve the blogging services. And so we've built a whole bunch of functionality around that. Well, so really this all came about because of your struggles with blogging. So was the reason that you wanted to pursue blogging so heavily, was that because of the Facebook thing or because of, you know, the, the fact that Instagram is an outside service that could disappear? Yeah, yes, definitely. And we recognize how beneficial having a strong blog was to our SEO and our lead generation. It's also, I think, blogging is, it's your portfolio. It's your place to control how people see what you're showing them. But also, like, one of the things we talk a lot about in our workshop is that curation is key. And I actually think the difference between a good photographer and a great photographer is just curation. Because if you look at what, you know, if I return from a wedding with three to 5,000 images, they probably look pretty similar to the next person who maybe doesn't quite, isn't, I don't know what word you want to use, but isn't charging as much or isn't considered as great as a photographer. But finding those perfect images that piece together to, to, to really capture the essence of what was happening on that day and those in-between moments that show how the bride was feeling or show how you know, what was happening on that day, that's really just good curation of the content that you shot throughout the day. And then your blog is the ultimate form of the curation of that story or that day. And so whenever couples would say to us, you know, can you show us an example of what you shot on a wedding day? We would always just send them a blog and we never, ever had them say, oh no, we want to see like everything that you delivered. And so it's like your purest form of your portfolio of actually showing what your work looks like and to give the, the couple an idea of, of what they're going to receive. Right, you know, I think one of the biggest things that you just said that really stood out to me that I haven't really heard before from a, you know, a super successful photographer is that you can be a similar skill level to another photographer, but charge so much more because of your curation. I mean, you're very similar in skill level, but you curate better and attract your ideal clients and are able to charge more because of it. Is that the secret? Curation? Yeah, I think it's a big part of it. I mean, so often the images that I find that I select, the images that end up on my website or in a blog post or on my Instagram are often images which, you know, sometimes they're an in-between moment of like, I was just checking the light and I just so happened to capture this like perfect moment as bright was turning around away from me or something like that. And so for me, yeah, yes, I think that is important. And to be able to curate in that way, I think you have to be able to separate yourself from your work and that happens, you know, in the format of time and also emotionally separate yourself from the images that you invested a lot of work into. Sometimes you spend so much time like trying to find the perfect location and the perfect lighting 
And, you know, so you feel like these must be my best images, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes your best image was just like the bride walking to the car after the photo shoot. And so to be able to like emotionally remove yourself from your content and look at it objectively and then curate your content from that perspective, I think, is what allows you to find those perfect moments, which, like, you know, maybe it's that perfect moment where the bride just looks amazing or the perfect storytelling moment or whatever that is. Yeah, that's, I'm going to come back to narrative in just a second, but talking about curation, do you do that yourself? And if so, how do you separate yourself emotionally? Do you wait a certain amount of time before you go back? Yeah, so generally my workflow is, after returning from a photo shoot on like the Monday after the shoot or whatever it is, I'll actually put a little sneak peek together um, for my client and I actually make every single client gets a mini blog post that I make for them in narrative. <laughs> we can talk about that later as well. Hang on, James. Did you say you put it together on your phone? Is that what you said? Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. Every single couple gets a mini blog post that I make in narrative for them. And so, I mean, the reason why I do that is because people love having a blog post to share with their friends and family. And you can't click through to that on my website. But if you search like on Google, whatever the couple's name was, you'll see some sneak peek blog posts. Yeah. And so that's what I do on the Monday after the wedding. So there is, there's not a lot of time, you know, to separate myself emotionally from those images then, but generally the image selection process happens, you know, a month later. And that's when I'll go through and do the full selection. Um, Start a really good tip. I'm sure you've heard this before. Start at the end of your shoot and work your way through to the beginning because nine times out of 10, you take the best image in a scene you know, at the end of that scene. So you don't need to look through all of the first images from that scene. I've never heard that, but that's a great tip. So you actually use something like, do you use photo mechanic or do you straight into Lightroom and go backwards from the end of the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need something like photo mechanic, which is fast. And I think that's also part of it. Like I generally do my image selection in, depending on the shoot, somewhere between like half an hour and an hour and a half for three to 5,000 images, which sounds, you know, a little bit contradictory to what I was saying in the terms of like curation is so important, but pretty much all I'm looking at is the bride and the groom's face and everything else, like the composition or whatever else is going on in that image. I'll work that out later. I'm just going to select all the images where, you know, he or she or he and he and she and she are going to look at it and go, Oh my goodness. I look amazing. And that's just like, initially that's all I'm selecting. And then I'll over-select by probably 50% more than I'm actually going to deliver. And then as I go through and edit the images, strip out a bunch of the extra stuff. And sometimes you end up with a few doubles. And But I think also that's probably part of the key of the curation process is like, don't overthink it too much. Just, you know, like, is this good? Is he or she going to love it? Yes or no. And select that way. Cool. All right. Just so we haven't totally lost the listener, just explain what narrative is because I was a bit surprised that it's an app that you download to your desktop or laptop. It's not cloud-based, is it? Correct. So, yes, narrative is an app which you download to your computer. Currently, we only have currently only support Mac. There will be a Windows version later. One of the reasons why it's an app that you download onto your computer is because of what I mentioned earlier, which is that we want the product to work offline and we want it to be incredibly fast. And so that's why you download yeah, locally to your computer. When you publish with the Narrative Publishing Service, if you're on WordPress, there's a plugin which drops that blog post straight into your WordPress website. If you're on Squarespace or any other platform, then it will give you a piece of code. You click that, copies it to your clipboard and then drops the whole blog post into your website that way. All right. I'm going to talk and ask you more about the technical details in a second. Let me go back to curation now. So let's say you've done the curation for the clients. You know, whatever happens with them happens with them. But how are you curating for your blog post? Because that's what's responsible for these thousand leads. That's what I want to hear about. Yeah. I think the the curation or the storytelling process from a blog post starts when I'm shooting, obviously, because if I don't have the content that I need to create a good blog post, then I'm not going to be able to create that blog post from the outset. So you'll notice that all of our blogs start with some form of storytelling, which is some kind of context setting. So, you know, if I flew in for that wedding and I came in on a plane, then it would start with a photo of, you know, maybe outside the airplane window and then some wider shots of the context. Like if this was an elopement in the Faroe Islands, then like, 
there is a reason why that couple traveled to that place to have their elopement or whatever it was. And so let's tell a little bit about the beauty of that. So there's always starts with some wide shots to set the context of where we are. And then generally I, from there, have some detailed shots of maybe the house they were getting ready at or a few of the other unique details about the day. And then quite often, if I'm introducing the couple, I might start with some like wider shots of the couple in the context and then get a little bit closer. So if they're inside a house, then maybe it's some wider shots of you know the inside of the house or then the outside of the house and then get a little bit closer. And I generally actually shoot in that format as well, which makes things really simple when it comes to building a blog post because the images are already like in the order that I need them. I'll start by shooting pretty much every scene. I have a format, which is shoot some really wide contextual shots on my 35, the couple in the context of where they are. Shoot some um, sort of portraity shots with probably my 50, um, you know, in portrait. And so this is the couple, this is who they are, this is maybe what they're wearing. And, and then shoot some tighter shots, probably also with the 50 of them engaging in that location. And so it might be, yeah, a shot of one of them whispering into the other person's ear or, or tied a shot of the earring that she's wearing or something like that. And so that, I mean, you've probably heard this one before as well, but that's generally the format that you see movies happen as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. most scenes you start with like a wide contextual setting shot, something about the subject and then something about what the subject was doing. And you, that's, that's a really nice way to just tell a story. So this would work in the album, it's going to work for the clients, it's going to work in a slideshow, it's going to work as a blog. Yeah, 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 totally. So what you're asking, how do I do that curation process for a blog post? So yeah, each scene generally will start with some contextual, um, contextual setting and introduce you to who it is that's in that scene and then tell you a little bit about what they're doing in that scene. And as I love giving images the space to breathe, to slow the person down as they're sort of viewing the blog post. And so you'll notice in, or um, to crop your images in to create a little bit of space around the images as well. And that's something that's quite unique in narrative. You might need to actually see an example to understand what I mean. But, you know, if there's one photo that you really wanted to stand out, then you can. And have, yeah, a spacer around the outside. Got it, got it. So, okay, just some technical stuff or technical details. How many images are you looking for 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 a good blog post from, say, a wedding? I think most of my blogs probably have about 100 images in them from a wedding. If it was a multi-day shoot, then it might be as much as 150. Wow, okay, so a lot. Yeah, and this is always like a struggle because, I mean, a 100-image blog post, that's massive. And I think the average number of images that narrative users use are, is about 80. But, you know, for someone to actually view that post, I mean, it takes a long time to scroll through a post like that. But I think that's sort of what you need to be able to tell the story of the day, I guess. <laughs> for yeah. sure. And then what about the copy that accompanies the actual images? Are you writing that? Are you having your couples and clients writing that copy? Oh, don't talk to me about coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I suck at writing. That's probably one of my biggest weaknesses. So generally I'll write some copy and then I'll like send it to Cam or send it to my girlfriend and get her to rewrite it or something like that. But yeah, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not great at it. Okay. Well, that really then begs the question about the SEO component because isn't copy vital for successful SEO? Totally. Yeah. And so I can, you know, copy is vital for SEO, but not elegant writing. Right. And so I just need to make sure I get the right keywords into each post to ensure that that post is going to rank for what I would like it to rank for. So for example, let's say I want to rank a post for Faroe Island wedding photographer. Fun fact, if you Google Faroe Island wedding photographer, you'll see one of my quite old pre-narrative blog posts in there. And so we're number one on Google for that Google search. So after I do a shoot, I'll sit down and go, okay, what do I actually want to rank for in Google? And ensure that I structure the post, which is post title, the URL, the body context, the meta description, and the titles within the images as well, around a like a term which I want 
this post to rank for. So for that, that example of the Faroe Island wedding photographer one, I decided the keywords Faroe Island wedding photographer is what I was going to rank for, for that blog post. And in narrative, it actually asks you, what are your focus keywords? And the app will give you feedback on each of those sections, your title, your, your meta description, your body content, and your image keywords to help you ensure that you're building your post in such a way that you will rank for those keywords. And what narrative can't help you in is the art of choosing what those keywords are. <laughs> sure. And so generally, you can just take a quick Google and have a look at what other people are doing for maybe some location and just try and avoid what they're doing and get your head into what you think your couples might be Googling. Or if you do have quite good rank in SEO because a lot of blogs have shared your content, then you know maybe you do want to go after a really common term. But for example, we actually don't try and rank for Auckland Wedding Photographer, which is the city that we live in because everybody is trying to rank for that. So I don't really use that as focus keywords for any of our content. Because it's going to take a lot of work to get to the top of Google for that. And I can just go after... I can just pick a whole bunch of other smaller cherries. Like, oh, for one blog post, I might choose the name of the venue. Or for one of the blog posts that ranks quite well is just urban wedding. I think one of them is like warehouse wedding. And so you sort of need to think a little bit outside of the box in terms of what might... uh, bride or groom be searching on the lead up to their wedding you know from an inspiration perspective and use those kinds of terms for your focus keywords and that's a great way to get your content in front of a bride or a groom as early as possible and that's really the goal and it doesn't stop with the focus keywords for the actual blog posts because for every single image inside your blog post, you have an opportunity to rank for a different keyword as well. So by setting the image title and the alt text, you can keyword every single image. And this is where a narrative comes back in. This used to be such a pain point for me because once I exported the images from Lightroom, I used to rename every single image with whatever I wanted that image to rank for. So maybe it was the name of the florist or the name of the person who made shoes or whatever. And then I'd have to go in and set that in as the alt tag in my website as well. With narrative, whenever you click on an image on the right-hand side, you can set what you'd like that image title will be to be and it will automatically set the alt tag as, as that's that same term as well. And so you can actually select multiple images and images and set the same Okay, so you're actually changing the image name and the alt text for the image inside narrative and it's not affecting the actual original files. Well, when it's published, the name will be renamed and the alt text will be set on your website to what you've set it to in narrative. And so what that means is it gives you like literally hundreds of keywords that you can rank for. So if you Google... Pinnacle's elopement photographer. The first image that you see is one of my images. And that's actually just one image inside a blog post that has that keyword set. And so you can structure, you know, for every single image, you you take a step back and go, if a bride or a groom was looking for inspiration about, you know, locations or whatever items, whatever that they might search leading up to a wedding that's your opportunity to rank for those terms. And and bride and grooms and people looking for inspiration, they go to Google image search and Google image search looks at, I mean, it, it also looks at obviously the body content and the title and the URL, but predominantly it's looking at what the image title is and what the alt text is for that image. Right. Okay. So I've got that. So you've got your 80 to hundred images. I'm guessing you, do you import them into narrative or you just, they just automatically see each other? How does that part work? Yeah, so yeah, there's a few ways that you can do this, but so with narrative, you just select a folder where the images currently belong. So if you've exported all of the images just to, you know, upload and deliver to the client, then you can just select that folder is generally the easiest way to do it. And then if you use ratings like star ratings or color ratings, then that's also quite a tidy way. If you can apply those ratings before you export, the narrative will recognize those ratings and you can filter out you know everything that's three star or higher is going to be a blog post image 
But generally, I do the filtering in narrative. And so you've got the panel on the left-hand side where you can see all the images that you've imported. Um, hit the space bar and it will enlarge them and you can quickly like view the images. There's this feature in narrative, which is like a magic wand. And you can just click it and it will just drop the content into the blog post. And I was looking at something on NDRL's Instagram a couple days ago and she was showing off this feature and she said that what she does is she just drops all of her images into a post and does the opposite. She deletes them out. And so the way in which that magic wand builds blog posts is it it doesn't just drop all the images and stacked. It creates like a layout for you and then you can drag and drop images around from there or delete them or or so forth. So generally most of the curation that I'm doing is in narrative and then if I, as I said earlier, got two images next to each other and decided, oh, this one would be better if it was black and white, then I can return to Lightroom, re-edit that same image. And I just need to overwrite the same image file and it will update the narrative straight away. Right, okay. So what if the cli- you want the client to have a color version and you want narrative to feature a black and white? So then did you duplicate the image and make one black and white and then re-import it? Well, like usually I would have exported the images uploaded them to my client image delivery tool and then I'm building the blog post after then. So they're just going to get what they're going to get. And there probably is some cases where, you know, the client got a color and on the website it has a black and white. Okay, got it. And then so inside narrative, so you're doing all this offline. So you're basically building a full blog post inside the narrative app. Yeah. You give it a title, you're renaming, you're adding your alt tags, you add your copy. Mm. So let's say it looks great. I'm guessing you can add links in there as well if you want to link yep. to other blog posts and things like that. Yeah. So you've done all that. What happens next? Like, is there a publish button like on WordPress? Yeah. Yeah. So once you've done that full process and, you know, you've got feedback on the SEO and you've got all narrative uses, these red, orange, and green lights, you've got, you know, all green lights for your SEO. Uh, you're ready to get it onto your website. You hit publish. If you haven't already connected narrative to your website, then it's going to ask you what's your website URL and what are you publishing with. So with the example of WordPress, you'd select WordPress, install our WordPress plugin, and then it will automatically drop that blog post onto your website. So it will publish it as a draft and there will be a little button, visit page, it will take you directly to that blog post and you can preview it before you set it live. Some people like to, you know, put a little audio thing at the beginning or maybe put something else at the end of the blog post and you can still edit what's above and below the narrative blog post while you're inside your website blog editor. Okay, hang on, sorry. So what can you do? So if I want to add some audio at the beginning, for example, like a music track, I do that inside my blog editor or I do that inside yeah. narrative? You do that inside your blog editor. Right, just to finish it off. So the narrative blog post would show, if you're on Gutenberg then, which is the new WordPress editor, then you'll see the full blog post there and you can just drop in a block above that. Okay. Yes. Got it. Got it. So this will work with if a photographer has a Wix website, a WordPress, Mm -hmm. a Squarespace, it doesn't matter where their website is hosted. Yeah. As long as you have the ability to drop in a code block, then you can use narrative on your website. Okay. So then let's say for a WordPress user, because that's what I am and I understand it, I drop in the code into my post and then... Are you guys hosting the images for me? Because the images must be, they've got to be somewhere online, don't they? Or are they going onto my website server? Yeah, so just to clarify, for WordPress, you won't have to drop the code in because there's a word, that's the one exclusion. There's a plugin. Oh, there's a plugin, right. <laughs> okay. So the narrative blog post will just automatically appear in that blog post and all of the images will show up when, you know, when that blog post renders. Okay, so I'm going to come back to that in one second, but Squarespace, similar? Because they're the two big ones, aren't they? Yeah, so Squarespace, I'm sure most Squarespace users have done this, where you open up a new blog post, you you go, you add an insert block, and you just add a code block. Narrative will give you a little piece of code, which is essentially the HTML that Narrative has built for that blog post, and you drop in that code block. And then when you... When the page loads or if you refresh the page the whole blog post will be there on your website and the great thing about that code block is that if you go back to narrative and you make a change like i want to swap these images around i want to do this i want to do that you just say update in narrative and it will instantly change on your website so you don't need to go back and copy the code again and put it back onto your website oh that's nice is that the same for wordpress 
Oh, that is cool. Okay, so let's say, go back to WordPress because I'm 100% familiar with that. When I upload, I've got the blog post there. Are the images from the blog going to be in my resource? Are they on my server? Yeah, so when a person hits that website, the images, uh, we use a service called Cloudflare to distribute the images. That means they're held in 180 places around the world. And so that ensures that the content on your website will load like ridiculously fast. And I guess that was another reason also why your blogs are important from an SEO perspective. You need to make sure that your blog posts are loading really, really quickly. So Narrative does a bunch of smart things to ensure that the right images, only the images that a person is viewing loads. So if you hit a Narrative blog post on someone's website, it'll load almost instantly. And then as they scroll, everything that's about to enter the page gets loaded in before they enter. And Google loves fast websites. So they're just they're shared from what's called a really fast CDN and they to ensure that that page loads really fast. Right. Okay. So what's happening with image resizing? Who's handling that? Do I have to put everything through JPEG mini first before I upload them into narrative? No. So narrative takes care of that. Obviously it will resize the images. Actually, It's really smart. So it resizes all of your images to five different image sizes. And so depending on what device the person is viewing your website on, like there's no point in delivering 1500 wide pixel images. If you're viewing on an iPhone, like that's also going to increase the page load time. And so we'll just deliver the size of the image that that person actually needs when they're hitting that page. And, you know, like I think a lot of people... Websites are scary, right? And you're a photographer, you're an artist, you don't really want to know about all the technical details of like, okay, I need to put these size images and I need to press them this much and so forth. Narrative takes care of all of that for you. So you can just drop in your full size images into the app and it does all of the resizing and compression for you. Nice. This is awesome. Do I need to have a really good internet connection to make all this work? No, no, not at all. I mean, like we said, you can build a blog post offline and then when you hit publish, it will upload all of the images. If you have like, if you were still on dial up, <laughs> it would, that, that upload time would take a little bit longer, but you can just like go and have a coffee and wait for it to upload and it will be on, on your website when you're back. But generally it happens like within a minute or two, you'll find it. It's already live on your site. Right. Okay. I'm not 100% across all the technicalities of SEO, but with the fact that you guys are generating you know, around 1,000 leads per year with your blog posts and because of SEO, which I'm assuming are all on narrative, then even though I'm uploading my keywords and my copy and my titles and my alt tags into narrative and it's going off to be, um, you know, I can't remember the name of the service you're using that the code must still show that those keywords are for my website. They belong to me. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So everything that you've put into a narrative blog post, Google will read that when it scrapes your website. Okay. That is really cool. Because that was my biggest fear or worry was thinking, well, hang on, why would I use a third-party service and give them the SEO benefits when it's all my work? But that's not the way it works. Yeah. I mean, the way a Google scraper works is it, as it trolls the internet, it lands on each page. And it looks at what's on that page and it goes, cool, there's all these images here. And then it finds all the keywords from those images and then obviously stores it in its little system. So if you're in Google image search and you search, I don't know, that example that I gave, Pinnacle's Wedding Photographer. Yeah. And you'll find that image of mine. You click on it, it says this image is on this page on this website. And you can click through to that page and, and that's how you people find the content. Okay, yeah. So I'm on this page now. I Googled Pinnacle's Elopement Photographer. Yeah. I can see that the first, I reckon even that more than the first three look like yours, maybe even more. I hover over it and I can see HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www.chasewild.com forward slash weddings. So that's yeah. attributed to you. And that's sitting inside a narrative blog is that right yeah yeah that's cool (laughs) that is really cool all right what other things can you do with it so i love the fact you can edit later and it updates on your website is there any other reasons why we would want to use narrative or any 
I mean, is there any reason why you wouldn't mm. use it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when we signed up for our website, we started using Squarespace. And one of the main reasons we did that was because obviously Narrow didn't exist then and the blog post builder was a little bit better than WordPress. And then we had always sort of wanted to jump ship. And to be honest, we haven't done it yet. But the reason why we didn't was because our blog held all of our pretty much 90% of the content of our website. And we we're like, look, if we move to another website, website host then i'm gonna have to like rebuild all of those blog posts again but because you have them on the app on your computer if you move to a new website host then you can just republish all of those blogs once you jump ship and so if you need to jump from one service to another then you've got the freedom to go wherever you want and all the time you've invested into you know the most timely part of your website isn't lost i like that so that's obviously a really nice benefit with narrative, you can automatically add Pinterest buttons. You can add Facebook comments section at the bottom of your blog post really quickly and easily. I actually think that I, I can't verify this, but I actually think that this helps out SEO quite a lot as well. If you have Facebook's comment section at the bottom of your blog post and people are interacting with that post and commenting on it, then that's just another thing which Google goes, okay, this must be interesting, good content because people are interacting with it. Yeah, you've got that social proof. So I'm guessing then that you would send the blog post obviously to your clients and they'll get their friends to share that URL and then they comment and share. Cool. Yeah. And then we've done a few things to just visually make blog posts more beautiful as well. So you can add, we call it animation to your blog posts. And so as a person scrolls, rather than just having images, you know, slide on board, just be there as a person scrolls, you can set them so that they fade in or slide on just to make your website feel a little bit more special and stand out from the crowd. (laughs) And then another really awesome feature, which I love is that I noticed when a lot of people are looking at blog posts on a mobile phone, particularly when you're creating a post where you've got images side by side, you've got images stacked in a certain way and they're quite small. I would see people like pinching to zoom in and I was like, it's not the best experience as a user visiting that website. So there's also a light box feature where within a blog post, you can click on any photo and it will enlarge that image full screen. And so, you know, you can obviously just see what's in that image a little bit easier. I like that. That's cool. Um, One of the things I have noticed, James, with the blog posts that have been published on narrative from the ones that I've seen, they all look pretty beautiful. Is that because you're restricting the, the typeface options that people can use? No. So when you, in narrative, you add uh, a text block, then you don't choose a font. You just choose from the fonts that are already on your website. So Ah, you choose H1, H2, H3, or paragraph. And so whatever you're using on your website, it will automatically assign that same font when it loads on your website. Okay. So if the photographer has a beautiful looking website, it's going to look beautiful in narrative. So when they're creating it in the narrative app, it's just going to use like San Francisco, which is the standard native Apple font. And when you publish it to your website and if I've chosen paragraph as the font type, then it's going to have the exact same font size and color and font as what's on my website. Okay. So yeah. So if you have a beautiful website already, it's going to continue to look beautiful if you use narrative. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Got it. A couple of things that I do with my blog posts is I add image captions. Is that possible if I want to? No, you could add text throughout the post if you want. So how are you using image captions? Are you using them on hover? Or on. Uh, no, no. So sometimes I'll add like a caption under the image. I do it when I actually upload an image if I'm using WordPress. And yeah. so that caption will appear under the image. So that's not. Yeah, th- yeah. Yeah, I understand. So yeah, you can add text within the post. You could drop in a text block under an image and add that. But generally, the people who are building blog posts, like I said, the average number of images in a narrative blog post is 80. And they're creating long form image blog posts and you're not going to caption 80 images (laughs) no 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 definitely not so then i could set i don't have to have 80 images in a row i can have you know 10 and then have another text block then another 15 and a text block i can do that yeah yeah okay not individual captions you mentioned there that most of your users are wedding photographers are any portrait photographers using the service yeah we do have a few And like I said, you really experience that pain point of Squarespace and WordPress when you start to deal with large numbers of images 
in your blog posts. So if you're just dropping in, you know, you did a portrait photo shoot for Gucci and you came away with 20 images or even less, 10 images, then and you wanted to put them onto a portfolio piece on your website, you know, you could pretty quickly just drop them into a post. And even if you needed to reorder them, it wouldn't be too painful. If you're a photographer and you're putting in 20 or more images into your blog posts, then you really should be using narrative because that's where you're going to find the benefits, particularly from a time-saving perspective in terms of getting that content onto your website a whole lot quicker. For sure. And what about cost? Yeah, so there's three plans that vary on essentially how much you use the product. So depending on how many blog posts you publish, they start from six bucks a month. And the most expensive one is $12 a month for on an annual plan. I think we've sent through a little coupon your way so that listeners of PhotoBiz can have a little discount. Nice. So <laughs> Thank you. That'll give them 20% off any of the narrative plans. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And the coupon, I believe, is PhotoBizX. PhotoBizX, yes. Look, so let's make it really easy for the listener. If you want to go and check out narrative, so where is the website? Where is the best place to go? If you just go narrative.so, you'll find our website. Okay, so if you want to go and check that out, narrative.so, if you use the, so you said the coupon code PhotoBizX, they can get 20% off. Well, that's super easy, super simple. Yeah. So for $6 a month, if that's the starting price, so is that for someone who's, you know, only you know, shooting 10 to 20, does it really depend on the amount of weddings they're uploading or the number of images per blog post? Uh, number of blog posts they're creating. So you can make those posts as big as you want. Most of our users are on the plan that gives you 50 blog posts and there's also an unlimited plan as well. Okay. Okay. So for the photographer that's starting out, they're not going to be up for very much at all. And then as your business grows, then you build up with a different plan. You grow into it. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, what's the .so for? It's a, it looks nice. (laughs) It does. (laughs) .com wasn't available. Um, Okay, so it's not a certain country. It's not nothing to do with New Zealand or photography or you guys. Nah, nah I mean, I don't usually say this, but .so is actually for Somalia. Um, <laughs> but That's it just awesome. it's kind of like narrative software or, you know, it just looks really tidy and clean. It does, yeah. I mean, the first time I saw it, I wonder why .so. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing about the pricing for narrative is that, I, like, it depends on how much you value your time at, right? But... That plan that has 50 blog posts, that's 108 USD a year. You know, most people say that they pay off the product the first time they use it. Because, I mean, in my case, it was taking me a day to build a blog post. And how much do you value your time at on an hourly rate? I mean, it's going to vary for anyone. But I guess, you know, if you were taking two, three hours to build a blog post, and most people say they can do it in 10 to to 30 minutes with narrative, then you do, you pay it off the first time you use it. I mean, hopefully you're blogging more than once a year um, <laughs> once you start using narrative and that's like that's one thing that our, all of our users will not you know a lot of our users say to us is they're like look I just wasn't you know finding the time to blog because I found it so painful but I knew that it was like one of the most important things that I needed to be doing in terms of getting my fresh content onto my website and generating new leads and now that I have narrative I just like I blog almost everything and there's some really cool stories that our users have sent us like you know i've booked my first destination wedding once i started using narrative or you know i'm noticing that my blog posts are now showing up on page one of google for the terms that i'm ranking for and like we love to hear those stories and whenever we see them we like share them with our team and it's always really exciting to see like people improving their businesses not just saving time but actually having a better photography business because they're using product that is awesome. Do you actually have a Facebook group where you have members sharing their blog posts so you can, you know, people can see what other people are doing? Yeah, yeah. So if you just search narrative community, you'll find that you don't need to be a member to be in that group. So you're welcome to just jump in and see what other people are creating. And yeah, at the moment, we're doing, we're giving away a prize every single week in that group to people who share their posts as well. So jump in there and have a look at what people are doing. Oh, that's good. All right. I'll add links, obviously, to narrative.so, also to the Facebook group, so listeners can find that. I'll have details about the coupon code as well. Mate, can I just ask two quick things to finish off? 
let's say I've got my client's images in a folder and the client has their images now. It's now my blog post folder. I've linked that to narrative and my blog post is live mm-hmm. on narrative. And can I move that folder now on my computer or does it have to stay you know, where it originated? You can move it. It's kind of similar to Lightroom, right? Like if you move a folder in Lightroom and then you reopen up that catalog, you'll like, it's going to say, hey, can you relocate these images so that I can see them? Got it. You actually can in narrative, like if you've moved images off the computer, but you want to just like change, you know, delete a photo or swap two photos around, you don't need the images still on the computer. You can just make that change and then hit update. Um, And then that change will happen on, on the post on your website. Got it. And are these the kind of questions that you can ask inside the Facebook group? Is that where we get help? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, of course. We've also we've got support team based in Barcelona and here in New Zealand. So we get about, we're online about 15 hours a day. So you can just jump on the website and ask a question and our support team can help you as well. Hey, James, one last thing. <laughs> I did say there's only two more questions. What if, what if I've got a plan with narrative? I've been loving it, but for some reason, I just want to step away. It could be temporarily. It could be I'm having a baby, not me personally, and I'm closing down my business for a short time. Maybe I want to move to a different platform, whatever. What happens? Yeah, so like most of the services you're using for like your website, Squarespace or whatever, narrative is also a subscription service. So if you close the subscription, then your narrative blog posts will go offline. Obviously you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, like that's really scary. I don't want my posts to go offline. I've invested so much time in them. We allow you to keep all of your blog posts live for only $10 a year. And so if you, you know, maybe you decide next year, I'm not going to be a wedding photographer. And so, but I still want all of that content online. You can just switch to, we call it a parking plan and it just means that all of your posts stay online. Wow, mate, $10 a year, serious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a gesture to, I guess, you know, just to keep them live. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it's obviously, it's really cheap. and That is um, amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> you also have the ability, if you want, to export the whole blog post as stitched images. So, side-by-side images will be one image, and you can just upload a blog post that way, and that's just to export JPEG feature. Obviously, you miss out on a bunch of the SEO wins and a bunch of the other benefits of, you know, narrative blog post loading fast and resizing images, but that's also an option. Mate, no one's ever going to do that if it's $10 a year <laughs> to keep them live. Mate, that, that's super generous. I've never heard of anything like that. That's amazing. So there's no way that you'd look past that. Oh, mate, you're an absolute inspiration. I love the solution that you've come up with. I love your work. I love, I love your entrepreneurial mind and what you've created here. It's been a real pleasure, James, mate. Thank you so much for spending the time and, and sharing what you have. Of course. Great to chat, Andrew. And let me know if you're ever in Auckland, we'll go grab a coffee. Well, that sounds really, well, that sounds very expensive <laughs> in Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be more dearer than Sydney, surely. I hope not. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess you'll see when you, when you come. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again. Great. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. I hope you enjoyed that interview with James Broadbent as much as I did. James, if you're listening again, mate, thank you so much for coming on and sharing what you did. I've already said it, but I really do love everything about your business model, your entrepreneurial approach to business and life. You really are an inspiration. And again, mate, thank you so much for coming on and sharing what you did. For you, the listener, I do hope you got as much from James as I did. I hope that interview answered a lot of your questions in regard to blogging, what to blog, how to blog, also the narrative app, which I've seen so much about inside the members Facebook group. And don't forget, you have available to you a promo code. PhotoBizX is the promo code to save you 20% off any of the narrative plans. And of course, if you are a premium member, there is something extra for you. You'll be getting access to a slightly different promo code with an even bigger discount for you. That'll be available to you in the members area and also make that available inside the members Facebook group and via email. And talking about promo codes and links, if you check out the show notes for today's episode, I've got links there to anything and everything that James mentioned, including the promo code. You can find that this week at photobizx.com forward slash 339. Now, in those show notes, I've got some examples of James's beautiful work. It really is fantastic. I've got 
links to anything and everything that he mentioned. And I've also got a comments area at the very bottom of the show notes. So if you do have any follow-up questions for James, feel free to hit him up there if you're listening to the free version of the podcast. If you are a premium member, I'll be adding James into the members Facebook group so you'll have easy access to him there as well. So everything's there in the show notes, photobizx.com forward slash 339. It's shout out time. One big shout out for today's episode. And this one goes to Columbus, Ohio family photographer, Brian Kellogg, who is based in the United States. He left a five star rating and a lovely review in iTunes for the podcast. He says, I wanted to let you know about the recent success with my new portrait photography business after listening to this podcast and hiring a photography business coach. I moved into a new studio two months ago. I made a record $3,000 plus sale and booked five portrait sessions today. My portrait sales average was $300 and now the average is $1,470 for this month. I'm doing 15 sessions a month soon to be 20 to 30 sessions a month with all year round income. The goal for next year is $20,000 per month. He goes on to say a big thanks goes to the PhotoBizX podcast that helped me early on in the beginning. And I hope the PhotoBizX podcast community will all shine with me in 2020. Brian, mate, congratulations. That is fantastic. First of all, on your success, that is amazing. I can't wait to follow up and hear how you go. In fact, I'm going to be in touch with you and we're going to set up a members only episode, an interview with you to hear exactly how you've achieved the success that you have. So again, congratulations. Looking forward to having you on the show in 2020. And thanks again for leaving that rating and review, mate. It really does help me and the podcast get found in iTunes. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Just before we close out today's episode, next week when the podcast is due to go live is the day before Christmas Eve and the following week is very, very close to New Year's Day and I know they are the best times to be thinking about business because if there's ever a time we need to relax and just take a break, it's over that Christmas and New Year period. So instead of releasing some heavily business-focused episodes over the next two weeks, we're going to do something different. The plan is to get together with members on a live Zoom call next Monday morning. And I've got details about this in the show notes for premium members and also inside the members Facebook group. We're going to get together on a Zoom call. This is a group call. And we're going to chat about you and your business. And one thing that you're planning to do differently to up your game in 2020. What's one thing that's working for you now in 2019 that you're going to double down on for next year? And Hopefully, we're going to have a chance to cover an embarrassing moment that you've had while shooting or working that you're happy to share. And it can be anything from the first year of shooting up until now. There's going to be drinks involved. It doesn't need to be alcohol, (laughs) but it certainly won't be discouraged. So come along to that Zoom call if you can. The plan will be to record the audio from that call. I'm going to release them or that as a podcast episode or two, but really I'd love it if you could make it to the live call so we can have a bit of a party to celebrate the end of year. We can hear a little bit about you and your business, put a faith to a name and enjoy each other's company in person for an hour or two next Monday. Could be your Sunday depending on the part of the world that you're living in and listening from, but I've got details about the time zones, the timing, the link to join the Zoom call. It's all there or it's all coming to you in today's show notes in the members Facebook group and also via email. So look out for that one. I really do hope you can make it to the live call next week. Alrighty, that is it for me for this episode for this week. I hope you have a fantastic week ahead and I will chat to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 